Hello and welcome to Season 3 of the E3 Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about building science, healthy homes, architecture, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited. Today, Austin is on. Austin is a Penn State grad. And people ask me all the time about architecture school and what's my recommendation. I thought, what better way than to have a more recent architecture grad come on where we can just talk about architecture school, what it meant to us, how it went, and, you know, recommendations for other people. So Austin, welcome to the show. Tell us who you are and what you're up to. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm super excited to be on here. Um, As you mentioned, I'm a recent Penn State graduate. I graduated in May of 2020 during the midst of all the chaos. Uh, I only had a little bit of Zoom school, which was fortunate for myself. But um, after graduation, I was lucky enough to secure a job prior to graduating, Um, moved out here to Connecticut. And now I'm working for a a luxury residential architecture firm here. Um, We're based in Greenwich, Connecticut. And we work on a lot of uh, coastal, high-end, actually pretty large projects out here. We range from anywhere from 3,000 upwards of 20,000 square feet. So we're doing some pretty big stuff out here in uh, Connecticut. I'm really proud to be a part of the team here. That's awesome. Congratulations on having secured a job uh, straight out of architecture school. Um, I did the same thing way back in um, 2005. (laughs) And I went from Penn State to Washington, D.C., which was where I wanted to end up. Um, My family's in Pennsylvania, and I now live in Maine, and my husband's family lives here. But did you have any connection to Connecticut? Was there a reason you chose to to come north? Yeah, so... I think um, the reason why I wanted to kind of get out of Pennsylvania specifically was for um, my family has always lived in Pittsburgh. I grew up in the same house for 18 years and I went to Penn State, still in Pennsylvania. I got, you know, three hours away from family, but I really just wanted to get a little bit more distance, try my own thing. Nobody in my family besides one of my aunts who now lives far down in D.C. actually um, had ever experienced, you know, Connecticut and really got to take the chance to, to live in this kind of an area. So for me, it was, I wanted to try something new and be able to bring something back to my family and say, Hey, this is a really cool place. Or, you know, hopefully not the latter of, Oh, I don't really like that place. But, um, so far it's been, it's been really awesome being up here. That's great. And, um, you know, it's, it's fun to, to hear you say about getting out of out of Pennsylvania. I wanted to go to Chicago, uh, but getting into an architecture firm in Chicago and not having gone to one of the five architecture schools in Chicago was nearly impossible without any connections to it. Sure. So how did you find the job after architecture school? Was it just something where you said, I'm going to go north and I'm just going to look and see who has a job posting? Or was there some kind of career day that they did via Zoom school at Penn State? Yeah, so I definitely have to credit Penn State specifically for their career outreach programs that they have in-house. And so for every single year, we would host a career fair in, excuse me, in February. And uh, we were lucky enough to to have the opportunity to link up specifically with this company um, over the preceding years. Um, and so I, I kind of knew 
of the company and what they were doing. Um, and I just happened to say, you know, I blast out an email to a bunch of companies and said, I'm really interested in working for you. And this one specifically, I really knew I wanted to be involved with because they're doing um, certain technology integration and uh, projects that I really find interesting here. So um, Penn State does a really, really good job of having their um, career fairs that they host every single year. And I really encourage everybody to just reach out to anybody that you might know in the industry because you never know where your connections are gonna land you a job or an internship or wherever you are in your phase of your career. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't remember if Penn State had a career fair um, while I was there. Um, but mm. similar to to you graduating in 2020 when um, architecture seems to be really busy. I mean, the last year has been kind of crazy for, for me. Um, when I graduated in 2005, the market was really up and really high. And so a lot of people were hiring, which was great. So it was definitely a struggle in the years between when I graduated and when you graduated for a lot of people who, you know, the, the architecture community was on a downturn for, for a while. So so it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty exciting uh, that there's a, a career fair and an opportunity for, for people to try out um, what they're doing. So you moved yes. on to a firm that's doing residential. Uh, when yes. I was at Penn State, um, I knew I wanted to go uh, on and do residential work afterwards. It was what I was more passionate about, but we didn't really do a lot of residential in design school. Did you guys have many residential projects that you did over your five years? That's an interesting point because while I was in the, you know, the typical studio classes and we were doing, you know, heavily based in commercial architecture and design um, more so than actually residential, um, we had the opportunity to take classes that were more based in a residential practice. And I actually came out of Penn State with a residential construction minor, which is offered through, you take a real estate course if you choose, or you can take a finance course. And then there's a, a sustainability course. There's a solar decathlon course, which is a really cool class. You get to actually participate in the solar decathlon design competition, which is nationwide. Um, and then there's also a construction management course, which just gets a little bit deeper into the actual processes of um, the residential practice rather than just solely commercial architecture, which yes, the, the studio program is still heavily focused on commercial, but there are definitely opportunities um, outside of your typical studio and structures and, and that sort of thing. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that they're offering more of those classes now with the practical application uh, in architecture school, because there is a, a large majority of architects, especially single family architects who go out on their own and start their own businesses. And so I think if I was to go back and do it again, I would probably do some kind of business minor or project management minor uh, in addition to, um, it was interesting to hear, uh, we chatted a little bit offline before we started the podcast, you, you talking about listening to or reading about, you know, business and finance and all those things, which is also something that I do a lot of reading on. So, so it's kind of fun to hear you talk about that. So it's great that Penn State is offering that because, um, 
someone asked me just recently about architecture school and they're like, why don't they teach more practical application in architecture school? And I said, well, architecture school, when I was there, at least my aspect was, it was meant to teach you how to think outside the box in a design mind. It wasn't meant necessarily to teach you how to physically build and that that's part of your internship once you graduate is to you know work in an office to learn the details to learn how to then build these ideas right in an ideal world you would have people coming out of school who are full of ideas and practical architects who have been practicing for years and that the push and pull is great because you learn new technology and the new people learn skills that architects have learned for for years and years and years and so um but it is kind of interesting hearing you talk about some more practical application courses that you took. And do you mm -hmm. feel like it would have helped you more to have more practical classes? I think um, for me, because like you, I also knew that, you know, from even from high school, I took a class where I was really interested in, you know, engineering and um, that side of things. But then one class my senior year was based in architecture. So then from there on, I knew I really wanted to, and specifically residential, I knew I really wanted to get into residential architecture. And so throughout Penn State, I, I still had this, you know, this idea in my head that, yeah, okay, I'm doing all this commercial work. Um, and both of my internships I had were in commercial as well. Um, but I still want to get into, you know, the home building and the residential side of things. Um, and so coming through that, I realized that even though I wasn't doing, you know, exactly what I wanted and, um, you know, doing wall sections and details that pertain to specifically, you know, efficient buildings of, of homes, um, I still was able to learn the idea of how to work really hard, you know, and spending all nighters working on projects that you just, you want to make it the best that it can be. And that's just, you know, the nature of architecture um, allows you to just go head first into every single problem, whether it is exactly what you want it to be or not. Um, and so I'm really able to apply that work ethic into what I eventually see myself wanting to do. So I think it has been a very, very beneficial um, learning experience, whether it was exactly what I thought it was going to be or not. I've, I've taken a lot away from it. So I really appreciate the program I was in. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I loved Penn State's architecture program. Um, I didn't love the all-nighters, right? And now as an old lady, I think back about, you know, uh, having slept at night probably would have been good for mental clarity and being more creative afterwards. But there's just this thing about architecture school and staying up all night and drinking copious amounts of coffee and then having a critique and then spending all day the next day in bed because you're just so mentally and physically <laughs> exhausted. I think that's right. just, um, apparently that's part of the experience. Yeah, it's it's just the drive. You just have to keep pushing and pushing. And then you hit the point, you know, after your review, after your 10 minutes or 20 minutes of speaking where you're like, I just worked an entire week without sleeping for this 10 minutes of my review. and then it's like whether it's a blissful moment or you celebrate by going to sleep uh, it's 
it's a very interesting experience yeah. <laughs> to be a part of. With Lucas not coming up and cutting your drawing with a razor blade. Um, oh, he never boy. actually did any of that, but I think that he told us that when he was in architecture school in Greece, that was what they did. If they didn't like your, your crit and it didn't go well, they would just take a razor blade and put an X through your drawing. <laughs> <laughs> he was full yeah. of fun, crazy stories, though, so you never oh, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He... Um, he was the notorious model breaker for for our semesters that we had him he would always anytime he had his hands on a model he just would rip the thing apart how's this come apart and it all fall apart uh -huh. <laughs> yeah so so not much has changed that's that's probably both good and bad so sure. speaking of not much changing does penn state still teach hand drawing Yes, so hand drawing is the focus of your first year. It might just be the first semester, but um, it's definitely still part of the curriculum. Um, there's a visual communications class that you take as a freshman that um, it, it basically weeds people out because I think a lot of people have this idea getting into architecture that they're going to be doing residential design. Um, and so that first semester, the first year, they really start to think, well, all I'm doing is drawing on paper and, and hand drafting. I don't really think this is exactly what I'm going to do. So you end up weeding out a lot of people in that first, that first semester, that first year even. Um, but they do still teach the, the hand drafting, which, you know, although I'm not using it on a day-to-day -day basis, it's still essential to know the basics of how you're getting to, to the computer as well. It was really important. It was actually a primary hand drawing school when I was there that 20 years ago. Um, wow. All of our studio was hand drawing all the way through fifth year. Other than we took a couple of visual communications classes and 3D modeling classes, but we built hand models in the shop and we did all of our drawings as hand drawings because they felt like it was a disconnect between your brain to to the computer that isn't there between your brain and, and a pencil because you can only draw so many lines with mm -hmm. a pencil and a piece of paper so then you have to know what all of those lines mean which helps you to really think through your project so i love that they're still doing that in your first year so that you get the introduction to it right mm -hmm. you need to know what you're drawing before you jump to the computer because once you jump to the computer you can zoom in zoom out you can import details you can have all these things that click and connect together. And that's great because it's a wonderful tool that we use to be a lot faster. Obviously, hand drawing takes an excruciating amount of time. It's beautiful, but it takes a long time. And so moving to the computer is critical for our industry and especially with 3D drawings, which are even better than 3D models. You know, 3D model is great to see to see shapes and stuff, but being able to walk through a 3D rendering is huge for clients. Um, because the longer I have been uh, in architecture, the longer I've realized that understanding a two-dimensional drawing in 3D is not, does not come naturally to most people. And so the 3D aspect is really great, but learning that basics of hand drawing at the very beginning, which is a reminder that you need to know what you're drawing. If you don't know what you're drawing, then you're just drawing lines. Um, so I love that they're still, still doing that. Did you, <laughs> Did you have to present your thesis on Zoom? Um, so I actually did not participate in the thesis program. This was the first year I believe they offered 
an alternative to that, which um, I had the option to work with a, a couple different uh, engineering disciplines, which one structural engineer, one uh, construction management engineer, um, and uh, mechanical engineer. And we were all able to uh, work together to create a community um, hospital for one of the sites that we were proposed. Um, and yes, I did have to present that on Zoom, which uh, was an amazing uh, orchestrating presentation. Um, and it was back and forth between who was speaking. Um, and I think that was like, that was right at the beginning of when all of the things went to virtual. So people were still learning how just to log on to Zoom. Um, so it was, it was quite the feat. Uh, but it was it was a good thing to be a part of and I appreciated for me not having to do a thesis um, because thesis was always that daunting thing like every single year you would see the thesis kids just slumped over their desks and they couldn't even move because they were thinking about their thesis all day long every single day but uh, you know it's for some people. It was it was not for me, unfortunately. That is so interesting because I love the path that you chose because I talk all the time about integrated design and how important that is for all of these disciplines to work together. And so your thesis or whatever you right. call it was actually an interdisciplinary way of approaching a project which is so cool and so important and so critical and the fact that they're teaching that and giving that as an opportunity to architecture students coming out will only make you better practitioners because now we have um i know you have been tuning in every once in a while for the bs and beer show we just did one on presenting details to you know between the architect and the people on site and where they're on the drawings and how to communicate them better and the thing that stuck with me the most was steve basic uh who's an architect saying it's all about the respect between the disciplines right and so right. the fact that you did that as your final project for architecture school is just i mean hands down so important to to the future of construction so yeah it was it was a great opportunity that. thank you <laughs> I, it was a really great opportunity and i uh actually at the beginning of the year when you you know you fill out your schedule to figure out what classes you're going to take i had jumped around from each of the three options that i could have taken i ended up on that one thank goodness but um by far, it was one of the greatest experiences, and I really appreciated the opportunity that they had given us because that had never been something that was in the playbook prior to my year, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. So cool to see how architecture school is evolving as the market evolves and changes. So mm -hmm. um, any specific things that you would um, you would give out as far as wisdom as a recent architecture graduate to anybody who's thinking about going to architecture school? Thinking about going to architecture school, um, definitely get yourself interested in, in building and design or, you know, any of the related fields and um, you can definitely succeed in architecture school. And then beyond that, I always tell people that architecture seems to be, a, it's like the, the study of everything. You really have to know everything, especially about the human body. Like you have to know how people are moving through spaces and what they're gonna 
touch a handle, a door handle at and, you know, how they're going to feel in, you know, a, a bedroom at night. And so you really do have the opportunity to study a lot of different things within the field of architecture. And so I think uh, if you do eventually go to architecture school and then make it through, you eventually on the other side have a chance to, you know, branch out to a very, very broad range um, within the industry or outside of the industry of where you think you might want to land for your career. So I definitely recommend it to anyone who's very studious and um, who's interested in, in a broad study of things. I love that you said studious too, because architecture school is hard. It was sort of the joke. Um, I sounds like went to a high school somewhat similar to yours where drafting and, you know, wood shop and some other engineering disciplines were available to me as electives that I could take. So I knew going into it, I was really interested. My high school drafting teacher said architecture school is really hard. And I was like, challenge accepted. Like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, so, I, so I love that you pointed out that it is hard. It is a lot of work. And you um, I mean, not that all college isn't difficult, but my first year in architecture school, I told my high school friends who were also at Penn State, if you don't see me for three days, I'm fine. <laughs> After three days, come look for me, you know, like maybe you should, you should dig me, dig me out from under my desk. But you know, three yeah. days, like I'm fine. You don't see me for three days. I'm perfectly fine. You don't have to worry. And so <laughs> there's, there's this, you know, mantra. Um, I also heard recently, um, people saying like architecture school is really expensive. Um, mm. And so I, you know, aside from just college tuitions and fees, when I was in architecture school, you know, we had to buy materials to build models and, you know, all of that stuff. And so sometimes I, I warn people that, you know, I, I took 21 credits every semester and I had a part-time job, you know, like you have yeah. to be, you have to be dedicated to, to making some of those things yes, you definitely happen um, for sure. Um, I also chose to have a slightly more expensive apartment that was within walking distance of studio. I don't know if you lived downtown <laughs> or not, but the ability to walk to studio because the bus, my first year off campus, uh, I lived out off of Viro Boulevard behind the Walmart. And mm -hmm. at least I assume the Walmart is still there. Honestly, I haven't been yes, to this yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Yes, um, yes. And uh, it, was, it was hard because we would have to take a break, go home, get a car, and then come back out and that now as an adult worrying like I used to drive when I was really tired after being up in studio all night to go home to take a nap take a shower and get on the bus to come back to campus yeah. again so um I was a little I was a little riskier I would I lived even further so I don't know if you know where I-99 comes up and kind of separates, you know, Penn State and, you know, the more residential areas. But I lived on the other side of I-99, which was, there was a trail that went there, but it made it about a two, two and a half mile trek to get to campus. And if there was a night where, you know, you couldn't park on campus from certain hours, and I was like, well, I'm still going to be here at 2 a.m., so I better just walk to campus. And so I would walk to campus, and then at 3 30 4 o'clock when I was done and I just walk home <laughs> and so I was a little bit on the edge uh with with 
you know, everything that I was going to. Well, but, yeah, sure. I mean, and you have to make those, those decisions and those choices and what you're willing to do. Right. right so, right. I mean, there's, there's so much more complications to, to going to architecture school than just the, the simple, like I show up for a class or, you know, and right. we'd stay up till, and I don't know whose brilliant idea this was, but we would stay up till the middle of the night and then engineering classes were always at 8 a.m. I don't know always. why. They're always yes. like the first class of the day. I'm like, my brain isn't even on yet. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. So but I would say all those things aside, you know, it is so easily avoidable to, you know, not have to do the all nighters and the late nights. And there was one girl specifically, one of my good friends, she was always turning in her projects about a week early. And we're like, how are you done? Can you help me with my project? Can you help me with my physics homework? You know, everything else under the sun because she was done with her projects and she was, you know, way in advance and never pulled all nighters, never did late nights. So if, if you're extra studious, I guess you could say, then. Or, or somebody tells you ahead of time and you can commit this to your memory that spending more time there does not make a better project sometimes, right? right. So, so the fact that she could turn in her projects early could have been because she chose to sleep and then was probably very creative <laughs> and, and mentally awake, right? So right. it's a yes. thing that doesn't happen all that often in architecture school. We have a bad thing in our profession where, you know, even the companies we work for sometimes expect us to work right, more right. than the traditional amount of time, right? And so mm -hmm. it's like, oh no, that's that's not how this works. Like, right. So, so being smart enough to remember that, like, taking time off in between and relaxing actually makes us better business owners and better architects and better sure. architecture students and, you know, Just all, all well-rounded individuals. <laughs> right. But that's a really hard to learn lesson, yes. especially when you see, um, so they took a hundred students my freshman year in architecture school and we graduated, I think with 30 or 33. Right. That's, wow. that's that was how tough architecture school was. Yeah, we lost probably. Oh, I don't know. We probably lost 30 or more students after the first year. Right. You, mm -hmm. you said it from mm -hmm. the beginning. That's that's the trial. That's the test. Are you willing to put in these kind of hours? Um, but at the same time, if somebody would explain to you and the, then the expectation uh, when there's 40 other people in the architecture studio till the middle of the night, they're not necessarily doing more creative things or getting more things done. No, they're just no. there. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. <laughs> so, so it's awesome to hear how you, uh, how Penn State is changing and how great it is. Um, I often will tell people, uh, I love that you took, you know, engineering classes. Um, my niece has been telling me for a couple of years, she wants to be an architect, wants to come work for me. Um, and she just found out that her local high school has a technical school and she can take the mm. architecture and engineering classes. So she's going to take a couple of those classes and see if it really interests her. So awesome. um, one repeated thing that I hear from a lot of people is just knowing that it's available to them. So if you, if you have classes like that, that are offered in your school, that's great. If you don't, that's a trial for some of us who are, are, are out in the field to get people excited about these fields mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and then, you know, last question, any, anything else that you would tell people 
uh, about your experience in architecture school, just your personal experience, aside from, you know, the learning or whatever, what, what's the one, one thing that stuck with you? You know, it's, it's really like a whirlwind to, and I can't even believe that it was less than a year ago that I graduated. Um, I guess if there was one good piece of advice, it would be get a good group of friends surrounded you, surrounding you so that, you know, whether they're inside of your, you know, your architecture studio or not, you're at least keeping each other accountable. And if you're keeping consistent with their work, then they'll push you a little further and you'll push them a little further. And it really helps to have, you know, a good group of, you know, guys, girls, whatever, um, that are your go-to when you have questions about, um, you know, anything, homework, studio, review my project for me, look at my resume for me, anything. It's just, it's really nice to have, you know, your kind of your group, your core group that you can go to. So try to build that, which obviously it happens your your freshman year you're thrown into so many different social groups and people will drop off like flies and then someone else will come right in to replace them and it just happens so quickly um but you know take a time to to reflect on who's actually surrounding me and if they're they're a good group that i want to be involved with yeah i think um some of the success of some of the ivy league schools is that they do that and they create these networks and you said it earlier on reaching out to the people who you know you never know who they will know and the same with your core group of people that you have then met while you were in school and you know as you grow together out of school Mm -hmm. that's great advice Mm -hmm. so thank you so much for joining me today i appreciate you you taking the time and giving people some insight especially because as i just keep getting older (laughs) (laughs) i don't necessarily know you know what's going on in architecture school and i often will recommend to people to to spend the summer with a builder right if you can't get a job in an architecture firm go spend the summer with a builder or even if you could get a job in an architecture firm spend it spend a year or i mean not a year but a um a summer on a job site because we're visual learners and so learning mm-hmm. how to put things together makes us better architects and better details and you know absolutely so I, I i wish you the best of luck um it sounds like you're you're headed down a very successful path so thank you i really appreciate that i'm like <laughs> Thanks for tuning in for season three of the podcast. If you want more information on the guests, check out the show notes. If you want to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for the show, reach out emily at matramarch.com. You can find me on Instagram, matramarch, or on LinkedIn, Emily Matram. And you can find me on Thursday nights at the BS and Beer Show. So come join us live one week. Until then, stay nerdy. (laughs) 